Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today is Labor Day here in America. It is May 30th. Happy, or I said Labor Day, Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. Um, I know I have listeners out there in New Zealand and Germany and Canada, UK, Australia, Thailand, and other parts of the world where it, it, it might be Tuesday right now when you're uh, listening to this. But welcome to the episode. Today, I want to talk about relationships through the lens of the recent gun violence and shootings that we've seen here in America. So I'm not going to be talking about um, gun control. I'm talking about relationships through the lens of uh, the recent gun violence because we just had another school shooting in Texas and there's so much talk about banning guns and uh, what do we do with guns and how do we stop kids from having access to guns. And I want to talk about relationships because it seems to me to be so vastly important, especially because when we look at the stats, we still have more kids who are dying from suicide than they are from gun violence. And we need to address relationships. I'm going to share two anecdotes with you, okay? Um, the first is I just did a show. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share these two anecdotes and how they relate to relationships and gun control and also suicide and, 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 and how what is at the essence of us being able to save lives and connect with each other, okay? Um, I just did a show last night, and the booker, it was his first show, and, it, and the club was packed. It was 200 people. And I was like, yo, how did you – sell this place out you know everybody bought a ticket usually when promoters do shows they give out a bunch of free tickets and people still don't show up and this guy on his first show uh was charged charged people 25 dollars a ticket and everybody bought a ticket and and so i was curious because i've tried to promote shows and it's very difficult to promote um shows and um you know get butts in seats um and he said that he had been calling a radio station, a local radio station here in San Diego, every day for a year and a half. Just calling them once a week, just so they, um, and and because a lot of times radio stations will have these call-in segments where they're asking your opinion on a topic or, um, you know, asking you to share some news or whatever. And so he would always call in. So the radio station became familiar with who he was, what his story was, and he slowly was building a relationship with the radio station. Because if, if, if anybody's tried to promote anything, you can't just call a radio station and say, hey, I have this event coming up. Can I promote it on your radio station? A lot of times you have to pay for that or you have to have a relationship with the radio station or or have somebody or know somebody who has a relationship with the radio station so that they can promote it. And so a, a year and a half of him calling them every week just to chime in on his thoughts and ideas about whatever topic they were bringing up. The, when he had his show to promote, because he had that relationship with them, he was able to call and say, hey, 
uh, would you mind if I promoted my show? And they have a listenership of, uh, you know, uh, of all of San Diego. And they said yes. And why did they say yes? Because he established a rapport, a relationship over time. He didn't just try to ask them for something right up front. He said, you know what, let me build a relationship. Because at some point, at some point, this relationship will become uh, valuable and purposeful. But also, plus, he enjoyed calling um, the radio station. It wasn't like uh, he was calling a, uh, a country radio station or listening to a station he didn't like. He actually listened to his radio station, liked the music, and so it was like, oh, I want to have a deeper relationship. So my point is it was an authentic um, build versus him just calling any random radio station uh, every week. So that's my first anecdote, okay? The second one is um, I used to work at a uh, as a security at um, uh, at a nightclub. It was the standard downtown LA rooftop, and so you know, especially around the holidays, people who get really drunk. Those uh, you know those workplace holiday parties where the the, the company's paying for all the, all the booze, so people are really getting liquored up and resentments and anger and things can, can bubble up. So I uh, was the first point of contact in terms of security with anybody who was coming in. I was kind of like the face, the door guy, the, you know, I was, I was kind of like the host kind of thing, right? But I, I was there at, in a security capacity. So I would... <clears throat> you know, identify people who I thought might um, be a, a challenge later. Somebody who I thought might, who I thought I might need to confront later, or who just seemed like they uh, just were out of sorts for whatever reason. And when I identified them, I would make it a point to introduce myself, tell them a little bit about me. And then ask them a little bit about themselves, just in a very friendly, cordial manner. And I did this one night. There was these a group of guys who got on an elevator because you had to take an elevator to get to the rooftop. And I, I could just tell that they they had kind of a had an energy about them. And so I introduced myself to everybody. I shook their hands. I looked them in the eye, and uh, you know I cracked some jokes. And sure enough, uh, maybe two hours later. Uh, they were getting into an altercation. And, you know, the other security got there before I did and, you know, were putting hands on and I stepped in and I immediately, I remembered everybody's names and I was like, hey, Bob, Leo, come talk to me. And he, and immediately he he saw me and he, he recognized me and then he relaxed and he came over and talked to me and I was like, what's going on? And he was like, bah, bah, bah. and I was like, cool, hey, all right, so can you talk to your guys? And you know, we can, you know, just take this, we can, uh, you know, dissipate this uh, conflict and we can handle this, you know, outside. And sure enough, you know, he went and talked to his guys. Everybody calmed down. They remembered me uh, as I remembered, you know, their names. And we were able to dissipate it. And so had I not established that relationship with them, 
it would have escalated potentially and people would have been hurt. There may have been property damage, et cetera, et cetera. Going back to the school shootings, and then I'm going to talk about um, uh, how this relates to suicide. These kids who are shooting up the schools, they're not shooting up any school. They're shooting up their school, the school that they're going to, which says to me that on some level there's a, a frustration with their attempt to feel a connection to establish a relationship. And so if I can't have a relationship, no one can have a relationship. It's that all or nothing, black or white thinking. Um, it's, the, it's the last cry for help on some level. This is not me letting anyone off the hook. This is not me saying that uh, they shouldn't be held accountable or uh, be held responsible for their actions. This is me saying Let's have an understanding of why these school shootings are taking place besides the access to guns. Because it's, yes, the guns play a part, but there would still be some level of violence. And so why is there violence? And why is it this loud? Why is it at this level? What's happening here? And when we as people don't recognize the power that we have in preventing um, violence or issues or someone ending their life through our relationships, that's when it really does all collapse. There are people in your life right now who if you just said hello to them, if you just said hi, if you just maybe introduced yourself, you might be saving their life and in turn might be saving your life through relationships. And, and, and trust me, I understand. It's so hard because we've been disappointed so many times by people, been hurt in so many different relationships by people who said that they love us, they care for us, and they'll do anything for us. So it becomes challenging and difficult to establish relationships. Michelle and I, we went on a walk today, and I was so happy. We had, uh, there's a couple who lives a few houses from us, and they were sitting on their porch. And it was such a wonderful thing to go on a walk and then be surprised um, by the two neighbors and, and, and be able to engage in a conversation with them about life and, you know, all the things that are, that are taking place. And it, 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 it really helped me feel more connected to my community. And that, that those moments don't happen. You know, um, at Vons, my, uh, one of the, one of the cashiers mentioned that, uh, she had a doctor's appointment today. She mentioned this weeks ago. And so I was like, hey, Jasmine, you know, how the doctor's appointment, you know, go? And, you know, she looked at me stunned that, that I remembered. And it's these little moments of connection and relationship building that not only puts a smile on their face, 
but in turn may save your life. And what I mean by that is one day I'm going to be feeling down and out of sorts and disparaged and in some dark hole, you know, because, you know, I'd be ridiculous to think that uh, because uh, I'm feeling a little neutral today that um, tomorrow (laughs) will be the same, right? Um, And and that might be the day where uh, Jasmine or one of my neighbors checks in on me or just stops by randomly or, or drops something off. It's about relationships built over time. It, these, these things don't happen overnight. And, and, you know, when we were kids, we were kind of forced into relationships. You know, every day you're in school, you're in class, you have relationships with your classmates and, uh, and with teachers and coaches and, and things like that. And as we get older, we, we can tend to become more isolated. And, but we fail to recognize these um, peripheral relationships that we can build with people that then in turn can be nurturing. This is why it's so great to, you know, to frequent the same coffee shops and, uh, uh, you know, why people go to the same bars after work. Or, you know, if you go to take a group class, you know, whether, you know, there's just so many different ways for us to connect with people that can then in turn reward us. And by the way, this is also one of the downsides of um, interacting with people per se through social media. And here's what I mean. I play this game called uh, WeWordle. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like Scrabble. It's a, it's a word game that you can play on your phone. And WeWordle is where I can play uh, a stranger, somebody who I don't know. We can't communicate, but we're playing this game together. It's just like if you were playing chess uh, online. You can play you know, chess against a computer or you can play chess against an opponent, but you don't really know who the opponent is. And so for the time that you're playing, it's fun, and, and, and you kind of uh, create a narrative about the person that you're playing. The downside is once the game is over and once you log out, that relationship is over. It doesn't build on itself. So I'm, I'm encouraging you to look at, the relationships that you're engaging in and ask yourself, are they building on themselves or are they a bunch of one-offs? Are they, are they uh, transient or, or transactional solely? Or are we slowly building rapport, building connection? Are we curious about our, our male person? Are we, are we curious about the clerk's, or the the housekeepers, or are we, you know, just slowly, and not that, you know, you, you having people fill out biographies about yourself, but just slowly over time asking a, a deeper and deeper question and also being willing and open enough to share more and more about yourself, about your journey, about your story about your experiences, right? Because at some point, that then can come back 
to save you. You know, I'm going through, um, if you've been tuning in for a while, some of you know that uh, I've been struggling with uh, what I thought was asthma. And, And then they said it might be vocal cord disorder. And now we've, we, we really believe that what I have is uh, long COVID. I, I got COVID a long time ago. And, uh, and it was at that time that the symptoms started to uh, develop. And I, I, when I got it, I hadn't been vaccinated uh, at the moment. Um, and I've just been having these uh, respiratory breathing issues ever since. And so now that I finally have what I really believe is the diagnosis, I'm so much uh, happier about it. But we were able to come to this through relationships, through me talking to different people and doctors and nurses and, and just relationship building and continually asking questions. So when we are in our low of lows and we're thinking about ending our life, it's we know that a part of that is not feeling connected, feeling like a burden to other people. And the the, the irony is, is when we feel manic or happy or excited or we have we have a, a bit more energy, we, we kind of take our relationships for granted. All of a sudden, I, oh, oh, life is great. Life is wonderful. I don't need anybody. I got this. But then when we are struggling and we need someone to reach out to, all of a sudden, we feel like we have no one to call because Nurturing relationships requires a slow, steady persistence and showing up and for other people. It's not about just who can help us. It's about who can we help? Who can we be of service to? Who can we check in on? Until we create a, a community where that's natural. This is what's so, you know, I... I heard somebody talk about uh, college and, and the dorm life. I don't know how we got away from that because I, I looking back, as much as my roommate and I, we fought, we were, we were the best of friends. And there was such a community on that floor where if you got into a fight with your, with your roommate, you can go into somebody else's room and hang out. And if you got in a fight with that person, you go in somebody like – there was so many points of connection and community and outlets and sharing and friendship. Um, and, you know, without even being in a, in a fraternity or a sorority. And, you know, I miss that. I miss being able to bounce from house to house or room to room um, and just connecting with, with different people. I think that I think that's kind of the lore of a nightclub. Right, like the the it has kind of like these different rooms where you got the dance floor. It's kind of like one room, and you got the booths. You know, people hanging out there. It's another, and you got people who are roped off. And then there's uh, there might be like a little secret room somewhere. And then you got the bar. That's another thing. And we kind of need that in life, where there are these different outlets for us to connect with people. Where 
whether it's your coffee shop or, uh, you know, and then your farmer's market, um, you know, the, the nightclub, schools, people joining bike clubs, build relationships. Because it's going to be the relationship that saves your life. It's going to save your life. It's going to save your community. And it saves the world. So I I hope that um, I hope that you're able to take a moment, look at where you can connect with people a little bit deeper. Whether it's even if it's just a hello, just a a handshake, a, a touch on the shoulder, a, a hug. Where where can you be of service? Where can you help out? Uh, you know, there was this um, uh, documentary about restaurants, and you know when they when when the uh, the food critic comes in, he the food critic will drop something on the floor to see how long it takes somebody to pick it up, and what he's really also looking for is to see if how who else like how quickly the staff come together to try to pick that up versus are, are they just going to wait for the person whose table that is to pick it up? Because a lot of us have this idea of like, well, that's your lawn. That's your mess. You take care of that. And, and that's your fault when we're really all connected. We're all on the same block. And if you're not taking care of your lawn, then the property value of my house goes down. And so see whose lawn you can help take care of. This is the beauty of kids. You know, kids run around, $5, you know, mow your lawn. I don't know what's happened to that. Now, you know, we have a lot of, well, at least where I'm at, there's a lot of fake grass and uh, and we got HOAs and there are all these rules around what you can and can't do with your lawn. But the point is, if you are in a place of struggle, and feeling hopeless and disparaged, find a place of service where you can get out of your head, out of your your mind, and into your body and into other people's story. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Uh, thank you for sharing this episode. If you found some value in this, share the episode. Uh, rated five stars. Thank you for all the five stars. I'm getting emails from you all. If you want to reach out to the podcast, email me directly, leoflowers2000 at gmail. Right now that works. And uh, you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Oh, and remember this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS or any of the other international phone numbers for my people out there in New Zealand or Germany and Canada and the UK and Australia. We got numbers for everybody. Um, and, uh, and if you need some assistance in paying for mental health services, uh, you know there are links for that also in 
the show notes. But you got to make the first step. Talk to you soon.